Hello and welcome to MMA Fight Club. Yours truly, Manny G. I'm here to talk about LFA 176 coming up this Friday. The effervescent, perfect appetizer for UFC Vegas 86 coming up on Saturday. So if you're a hardcore mixed martial arts fan and you're up for some MMA on Friday night, LFA 176 has you covered. We're going to talk about those fights. It's a full fight card, like nothing chauncey, like seven or eight fights. It's a full 14 fights. And LFA 175, about two weeks ago or so, we did pretty good on that card. If you were hearing our information or tracking us or tailing us, read our newsletter, saw our video, we did well there. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, LFA 176, I want to go over each fight with you guys one fight at a time going to share my notes with you full disclosure i don't know a lot of these fighters very well i know one or two because maybe they've flirted with like contender series that kind of thing but otherwise these are the unknowns but i guarantee you i guarantee you there's 14 fights here right 28 total fighters two of these fighters and that's not a big percentage but two of them will somehow sniff the edge of the ufc or get to the ufc because lfa much like Cage Warriors or like Octagon or uh, like um, KSW, these are reputable promotions that do every now and then produce some UFC caliber fighters. That's why I like covering LFA. That's why I like covering Cage Warriors or the other sports or even getting interviews with fighters from those organizations because they're still small time, easier to interview. Um. All that said, another thing, too, is that I kind of made myself a, a promise at the end of 2023 that I want to cover other promotions beyond Bellator, Bellator and PFL, same organization now, and UFC. I want to cover a few smaller promotions, and I want to cover them passionately, and LFA is one of those promotions. I don't know if I'll find a second one this year because when it comes to a week like this where we have UFC and LFA – I wouldn't have the bandwidth to cover a third <laughs> card either way. So possibly LFA this year will be that new addition to what we're covering. And I'm excited to do it because I do like their overall agenda. They're they're active. They're international. Uh, the LFA 175 card was in Brazil and it had like all Brazilians. So here we have the LFA card coming up now for, for this weekend, which is being held in. Double check my notes here. Phoenix, Arizona. That's right. Phoenix, Arizona, 11 bouts. Most of them would be obviously Americans. LFA is not stupid. <laughs> Travel accommodations would not. So we'll talk about this card, LFA 176, in detail. Before I do that, if you don't mind, a recap of LFA 175, Lopez versus Brigaggio. That was 14 fights in that fight card. We went 11 and 2 on our picks to win, win loss picks. Let me just put it out there, though. It's important to, to mention the entire prelim card was pretty much like large favorites, and we were on the side of those large favorites. Granted, our newsletter breakdown, our predictions came out before the lines came out. So whatever that means. We went one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. We went seven and one on the prelim card because the last fight in the prelim card, which the favorite lost, Miguel Porto, 
He was a minus 450 favorite, and he got finished by Kevin Christian. That was the one surprise in the premium card. Everything else kind of went par for the course. On the main card, we went 4-1. and one. The one fight we got wrong was Anderson Ferreira losing to uh, Samuel Silva. It was a pick em type of fight in that range. But again, top to bottom, not bad, 11-2. and two. We made some money. Our tip sheet was also available via our newsletter. And our bet traction or tracking our bets is available on bet and make that tips. Let me give you guys a banner here for our newsletter real quickly because if you want to subscribe to newsletter, it's free. There's a paid version too. The free version though, sign up, get some information. So for anyway, for LFA 175, I can share this tab with you real quickly here. This is the tab or the Excel sheet from that event. And uh, again, in here, we kind of tracking our prop bets, our, our picks over here, left-hand column. So you can see the main card. We had Bruno Lopez to win. He did win. We had we had Anderson Ferrer to win. He lost. Marco Tulio to win. Rafael Pereira to win. And Nazi Katan Hedy to win. Um, Katan Hedy, by the way, she won her fight as a plus 261 underdog. And we had her pick to win. Um, Silver one, though, is a dog. We got that wrong. <laughs> uh, the premium card, you can see right there, Miguel Porto pulls it off as a... Um, Miguel Porto loses, I'm sorry, as a minus 450 favorite, and it's Kevin Christian wins as a plus 350 underdog. But that prelim card, again, was loaded with a lot of young fighters, 21, 21, 23, 22, unproven. And in some cases, I thought the fights were very, like, lopsided. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, LFA 175 uh, was not bad to us at all. I can't complain whatsoever. Let's turn our attention to LFA 176 coming up this Friday. Phoenix, Arizona at the Arizona Financial Theater. And this has a total of 11 fights in the card. 11 fights in total. The main event has Elijah Johns versus Alfred Walker for the LFA featherweight title. And there again, we got two guys on the edge of the top end of LFA, you could imagine Alfred Walker, Elijah Johns is trying to get into contender series maybe this year. Uh, replacement fight for UFC. The UFC has so many events. They need bodies. So guys who are competing for a title in LFA or gals, you have to notch that as like that's a potential you know, fighter in the, in the UFC at some point, right? Um, moving on down, a handful of fighters that are mostly American, but we got a few international fighters over here. And again, a lot of new fighters, right? Nicholas Gajalaj, Gajalaj, I don't know how to say that name. Zero and zero. Aline David, zero and zero. Jeremiah Humphrey, zero and zero. Johan Rodriguez, one and zero. Gracie DeFranc- DeFrancisco, one and zero. A lot of new fighters. A lack of experience. But hey, let's dip our toe into some Friday night mixed martial arts. My thinking is this. You kind of sharpen your your knives on Friday night. You know, get ready to go. And then Saturday comes around, you're just you're ready for L- your UFC, you know, Vegas. You're 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 ready to go. Got out of the system, you know, you're kind of feeling better. And now here we go. UFC Vegas 86, right? All right. All that said, let's jump into the first fight in the card. I believe that is, yeah, here it is. Yep, got it right here. So it's Paul Margitas versus Lucas Hightree. And before I get to the breakdown, I want to tell you, each breakdown 
is impacted or affected by the information we collect in these fighters, right? So if I go here to my data sheet, in some cases, I have no film on the fighter. In this case, I did see at least one fight for Paul and one fight for Lucas. Small sample size, but still, from there, I was able to derive my opinions and also looking at their, their records and their stats. But overall, this fight would be the one that I have the most blind spots, things that I things I don't know because they're just not available to me, you know, um, in terms of how good the training is going, injuries, uh, who's in their peripheral, like who's in their camp with them, things I just don't know. For Paul Margaritas, he's three and zero, 22 years old, young, right? Looks the part. Lucas Hightree, one and one. He's about to be 30 years old. So they're right there. You're kind of thinking, well, if I'm LFA, who am I trying to, you know, bump up? Who am I trying to, you know, get a get another win? It's probably Paul Margitas. I don't want to do a whole narrative thing of like, oh, it's all about, you know, matchmaking to give these guys more wins. It's just that you're about to be 30 versus 22. You know, the future is obviously brighter for the 22-year-old. You could flip it over and say, well, the guy who's about to be 30 has man strength, and the guy who's younger is, you know, doesn't have man strength, you know, for lack of better words. Rita's fight, though, is is closely matched. I do think Lucas Hightree being older is not a bad thing. Uh, Margaritas is a heavy wrestle type of fighter. He wants to wrestle you, take you down, active pace. If he can get a few key takedowns, and control time, that's probably the way he wins the fight on the scorecards. Now, High Tree, by the way, other side, Lucas, he has a hard time actually defending takedowns. You can watch it on film. So, again, it seems like a matchup on the books where LFA want, wants to see Paul Margitas go to 4-0, and zero, keep building him up, maybe a future guy to you know challenge for a title in the LFA or move on to the UFC. If Margitas takes him down, by the way, at least, let's say, two or three times, at some point, Lucas is not going to get back up. He'll he'll chew up time. It'll be boring. So, like, the overs here, I like the overs a lot. Over two and a half rounds. The fight goes to the full distance. And Margitas, with no price tag on him, if he's minus 350 or so or better, I'm parlaying him. He's the better fighter. It's not about script. It's just simply he's a younger guy. He has more wins. He's got a, a more overall game plan. And for Lucas Hightree, thank you for your participation. Excuse me. All right, next fight, Johan Rodriguez versus Jeremiah Humphrey. Let me pull up their graphics real quickly here. Give me a second. <clears throat> if you're just joining us right now, let me go to the comment section real quickly to say hi to you guys here. Who's here? Anthony A.W. No worries, dude. Yes, Anthony, you can smoke weed when you go pro. It's allowed. The first comment tonight did come in from Terry Mizo. He says, long time no see, fire. You're the man, Terry. Thank you for stopping through, dude. I really appreciate it. And uh, you're always welcome over here, homeboy. Antoine Willis, he says, the boy Manny back at it with the fire emojis and the, I guess, half smiley face. My man over there, Antoine. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, man. Same here, Anthony. 
I see you on Instagram dropping your videos out there, getting the workouts in, you know, shadow boxing. I love it. I love it. Antoine Willis says here, yo, Manny, I know you said you were a Barkley fan. So are you a Phoenix Suns fan or a Sixers fan? Dude, it's so complicated because I was a hardcore Philly fan for so long when he was here. When he left the Phoenix, I immediately like transferred all my attention to Phoenix. Like I became a fan of Phoenix. When he left Phoenix to go to, 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 to Houston, that was it. I, I literally became fanless in terms of a team. I do not have a team. If he retired in Phoenix or played out all his games in Phoenix, I probably would have been a Phoenix fan, maybe. If he stayed in Philly, for sure, I would have been a Philly fan. Like, there's no question. But I'm lost, dude. I want to become a Brooklyn Nets fan, but then I can't. Like, I'm from Brooklyn, so it's like, we have a Brooklyn team, you know? It's like right where I used to actually, like, like I would walk through that spot there where the stadium's at now, and I just can't. Because they have Ben Simmons alone, I just can't be a Brooklyn Nets fan. And so, yeah, dude, I'm not a fan of any actual NBA team, Antoine. I I enjoy seeing teams play. I'm very neutral on it. Um, but ultimately, overall, I am I am literally not a a fan of any actual individual team. <laughs> Andy says, "I did three days today. I can't get enough." Ha ha. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Well, keep it up, man. Keep it up, Anthony. Keep it up, man. I guess I could, but here's my thing on that, Antoine Willis. Antoine writes in, he says, I think if you rep the Suns, that was the last team you had, right? I, I'm not, I have no ties to Phoenix or Arizona. I, I'd be a complete front runner if they won a title. It would make just no, if I had to choose any team right now off the rip, I would probably choose the Knicks. Because I'm from New York again. That's actually a real New York team, not the Brooklyn, New Jersey, whatever that is. So I'm a I'm a Clint the Knicks. And I like my boy over there, point guard right there. My my short point guard from Villanova handling his business. I I'll claim the Knicks. How about that? I do bet NBA too, Anthony. I watch some of it. <sighs> Tough sport to bet, man. I also bet the NFL and don't watch it too. So, <laughs> okay, let's move on here. So that first fight in the card, we're going to go with Paul Margitas. We like him to win the fight by decision. That's our pick for the first fight. Let me pull up the second fight in the card. Give me one second. Um multi-screening of course and, and not doing a good job of it <laughs> all right fight number two yes johan jeremiah all right let me go down here so we've got johan rodriguez versus jeremiah humphrey my apologies welterweight bout 170 pounders and 
off the rip when you see that that guns blazing photo there of Chuck Norris, that means lack of information. <laughs> that means he could be homeless. <laughs> this guy might not be fighting very much. Oh, he's zero and zero. You know, look, I'm not trying to be a pretender of the know-it-all gang, but if you see that on Tapology, you know this guy is like off the grid, off the radar. You know, that could mean literally he shows up and be is amazing, right? Most times, I'd say like 75% of the time, that person shows up and they're just, no, not good quality H2O. So for Johan, goes with a samurai. He's one and zero, doesn't have much more experience. He's from Colombia, 25 years old, six foot out of MMA Colombia. So we have some information on this guy. For Jeremiah Humphrey, he's zero and zero, right, from Colorado. Americano. We got some height on him. 5'10", a little bit shorter, but not much shorter out of pound for pound fitness. So we just know nothing off the rip about this guy over here, Jeremiah Humphrey. What do I have to tell you? Oh, here's what I have to tell you over here. So go to my data sheet over here. Free for everyone in the world on on our Google Drive. You'll find two links for two fights for Jeremiah Humphrey right there. Then a link over here for Johan Rodriguez to watch him fight. There's my grading right here in these two guys. Experience-wise, same, same. Cardio, same, same. Finishing ability, somewhat deep. They can finish people, put it that way. I do think, though, based upon the prop bets here, the fight does go the, the distance. We go over two and a half rounds. And Jeremiah Humphrey wins by decision with the over two and a half rounds being the prop lock. The spot that I feel the the safest betting-wise, not Jeremiah Humphrey to win or by decision, but the fight just going over two and a half rounds. Let me check my notes here. So this will be Humphrey's first professional fight, right? That's a big deal. He went five and two as an amateur. Very athletic build. Legit power in his hands. His wrestling is okay. I, I say his wrestling is average. Like probably wrestling in high school type of thing. He needs to be very careful though. Rodriguez is very good at jiu-jitsu. So I would say like for, for Humphrey, less wrestling, more stand-up and striking. For Jerem, for Joe, Johan Rodriguez, he likes to move forward. In the process, he doesn't mind eating a few punches, like a few too many. That's where I can see Humphrey getting ahead in the scorecards, maybe even clipping him, right? If Rodriguez is not careful, doesn't get his guard back up, he will get carved up by my man over here, Humphrey. These two names keep confusing me right here. Whoever has the better endurance will likely start pulling away after the midway point of the fight. Rodriguez tends to wear damage. That's my one concern about him. He does wear a lot of, like... He's the guy who you hit him a few times, turns very red, starts bleeding. Kind of like a Bahamundes uh, from UFC. The betting spots here are like the over two and a half rounds. The fight does go the full distance. And then Humphrey on the money line. This will be the third fight in the card. Grace D. Francisco versus Aline David. Based upon our data sheet here. We have film on Lena David, but no film on Grace D. Francisco. 
I did see a few like highlight clips of D Francisco, but even those were spotty, right? So I don't want to sit here and tell you I've seen a lot of film on her. It's a female fight, both very unproven, right? You've got uh, D Francisco with a one and zero record from Arizona, five foot three with a sixty-seven inch reach. Out of Arizona Combat Sports for Aline David, her first pro fight, 26 years old, five foot five, no reach on her, out of Astra Fight Team, which is a decent gym. Not a bad gym, by any means. Okay, some of my notes here. So Aline David by decision is our prediction. She's faster than her opponent. So when it comes to striking at distance, I feel like she's going to land more punches and just be more active. Does a nice job of peppering her opponents with lower leg kicks as well. She has an effective push kick to help her manage distance. This bout will mark David's first pro fight. She has some amateur experience, though. Our main concern for her is that she's returning from a year layoff. So at a young age and not much experience, a year layoff, that that's always a bit of a question mark. Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. If she was in the gym this whole past year, working hard, improving, getting better, it's a good thing. If she's inactive and actually not training very much, then it's obviously a bad thing. Um, D. Francisco went 2-0 and zero as an amateur before winning her first pro fight at LFA 172, so not very long ago. She needs to make this fight dirty to sort of like limit David's skill set because David wants to work from distance and pepper her kind of like a, a poor man's version of Tabitha Ricci type of thing. For DeFrancisco, she will have success if she crumbles the space. Like she, she crowds David against the fence, closes distance. Again, at distance, at range, David's way more athletic. It's going to give DeFrancisco some problems, right? The betting spots here, over two and a half rounds. The fight goes to decision, and David on the money line. And again, Aline David, by decision, is the pick. Okay. Next fight in the card. And this fight, oh, is this one of those fights where I have, like, way limited information, right? Kind of tough. All right, who do we have here? We have got two guys shooting guns. We've got two Chuck Norrises, which means we have two people with like limited information, right? Is what it is. Jared Braun. My man Jared Braun over here gets Nicholas Gajelage. I don't know how to say that name. Uh, sounds crazy every time I try to say it. I refer to him just as Nicholas the Jedi Gajelage. The Jedi is a good nickname, by the way. So Jared Braun, one and zero versus Nicholas the Jedi, who's zero and zero. And Braun is from Phoenix. This fight's being held in Phoenix. My man over here, Nicholas, is from Albuquerque, New Mexico, not far from Phoenix. So two local regional fighters squaring off. Uh, for Nicholas, out of Jackson, week of May, good gym. Uh, yeah, that's a good thing, I guess. You know? <laughs> As for my notes, these two fighters, let me go over here in my notes. So we like Jared Braun by decision. Braun won his first professional fight last summer at Anthony Pettis FC number six, which means the Anthony Pettis promotion in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
prior to going pro for Braun, he went 6-2-1 as an amateur. Pretty good. Picked up a couple wins by submission, by the way, as an amateur. He'll have to take the fight to the ground early and often. Braun will also jump at the opportunity to take his opponent's back. So kind of like uh, Renato Moicano. The fight goes to the ground, he's on your back type of thing. This will mark Nicholas the Jedi's first pro fight. I almost heard to say his last name again. He went 5-2 as an amateur, where he won his last three fights by decision. That's important to note. The only knock on, I was going to say Galage again, Nicholas the Jedi is that he's been to decision against questionable competition. So against guys that are very low level, he's still going the full distance. In my opinion, I think Braun, Jared Braun is a step up, a big step up for Nicholas the Jedi. Most of their recent fights have gone to decision. So for me, the distance related props would be good. If you are if you have a book that offers you like the over two and a half, the fight goes to full distance, starts round three. Those are all good props to play here. For me, this fight goes longer. I like Jared Braun by decision. We move on. Next fight, the prelim card is gonna be oh, we got some we got some foreign, some foreign blood up in here. We've got chance Ike versus Keenan Davis. Now Davis is from Colorado. And Chance Ike is also from Arizona, but based upon Chance Ike's profile, I'm going to guesstimate he doesn't have Americana roots, which is okay. Mixed martial arts is the sports of everybody, like mixed martial arts universe, right? People from all over around the world. Okay, so we've got Chance Ike, who goes with the Typhoon. He's 1-0 versus Kanan Davis, who's also 1-0. They're both American-based fighters. We've got 28 years old for Davis. No age listed on Ike. Five, six for Ike. Five, nine for Davis. Based upon tapology. Elevation fight team for Keenan Davis. Very good gym. Chance Ike. And May Lab. Also very good gym. Okay. My notes on these two fighters. Let me get back over here. We're like Chance the Typhoon Ike by decision. That's our pick. The LFA is trying to build up Ike. That's our opinion. We could be wrong. They served him a one-on-one fighter for his pro debut last year, and now they're giving him another very winnable matchup. Davis, his opponent, went 5-5 five and five as an amateur before going pro last year. On the other hand, Ike, or Ikea, I don't want to play on Pratt's last name, he went 5-0 and zero as an amateur with three finishes. Now, amateur experience... You, you could have a rough amateur ride and become a really good fighter, right? Record-wise, it's not the end-all. But in our short sample size, all we have to go off of, it appears that Ike had a much more dominant, successful amateur experience than Keenan Davis, right? Now, I'm hoping the line drops and you've got Ike somewhere not beyond minus 500 because... Here's a guy where he will be favored. If it's beyond minus 500, we just can't parlay it based upon our little rules here, our in-house rules. So I'm hoping it's like minus 400, 450 in that range because Chance Ike is the guy here. He's the fighter you want to be on. A very attractive parlay piece as long as it's not overblown. Some betting spots here to consider. The fight going over two and a half rounds. The fight goes the distance, and I key as a parlay piece. So as you hear right there, 
I don't have a lot of confidence in Chance Ike finishing Keenan Davis, but I do believe he'll outclass him for all three rounds for a comfortable decision win. Okay. Let's keep it moving. Next fight is going to take us to the main card. Here we go. The main card. First fight is going to be Robson Jr. versus Carlo Ricci. Okay. A lightweight bout. The big boys here. Well, not quite the big boys, but you know what I mean. 155 pounders. Robson is 4-2 overall, 3-2 in his last five from Brazil, 23 years young. His opponent over here is Carlo Ricci. Mr. Ricci is a 3-3 three three fighter. That's a little concerning, right? Because you don't want to see a fighter who's having a, you know, amateur record or young record and kind of struggling. He's a 500 fighter already from Venezuela. He's five foot nine. no age on him. Out of Lobo Gym, though, Lobo Gym's a very good gym, for what it's worth. And for Robson Jr. out of BTT Immortal, I've never heard of it, so I just, I'll put it out there. Okay, over to my notes, these two guys. So, Robson Jr. by round one knockout is our pick. Ricci has a balanced skill set, average striking power. He's one in three in his last four, and on a two-fight losing streak. Additionally, he was finished in his last two fights. That's not a good thing to be getting finished so young in your career. <laughs> Durability, like, come on, you know. There's nothing about his last few fights to me that would give me confidence in picking him to win any fight. That's for Ricci, that is. Unfortunately, we were able, unable to find film on Junior. So when it comes to Junior, we're just looking at this record on paper. We have no actual evaluation of his skills. I, I mean, it's a shot in the dark here, right? Combined, they've been stopped in all of five of their losses. So combined, both guys have been finished. So that means durability could be an issue for both guys. They also have very high finish rates, right? A finish to me here seems fairly imminent. That might be your best betting spot here. If your book offers the fight going under two and a half rounds or no distance, that's where you want to be. Mansour Abdul Malik versus Allen St. Goliath. I'm probably killing that name, but the best I can. Middleweight bout, 185 pounders. Mansour Abdul Malik, 3 and 0 overall. Allen St. Goliath, 1 and 0. Not much experience, right? That's the theme of this prelim card and upper part of the early, early portion of the main card, right? For Allen, 1-0 overall from Miami, Florida, 34 years old. Kind of older in the game from the perspective that at 34, right, he has a 1-0 pro record. There's 20-year-olds 20 year, 20 in, like, Japan or Mexico with, like, 15 and, and, and two records <laughs> as a 20-year-old. So he's definitely behind the eight ball from a career perspective. Again, 34 years old. Yeah, time's running out. For Mansoor Abdul-Malik, 26 years old, so very much has time. He's 3-0, and zero, has more fights, from Maryland. And we have him as listed as 6'1 in height, with no height on Alan Sinkalis, right? Mansoor Abdul-Malik, based upon Tapology, is also training at MMA Masters, which is a pretty good gym. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. 
Okay, my notes in this fight here. Mansoor Abdul Malik by round one knockout is our prediction. Very little information about his opponent here. St. Galise online. For Malik, he's a pressure fighter, goes forward, has bad intentions, trying to hurt you. He includes some wrestling in his game plan, which is kind of a balanced fighter. His winning method, though, has been the same for all of his pro fights so far. First round knockout. Now, you like that from a fan standpoint. Like, oh, man, he's got knockout power. But at some point, it could be a detriment. Gets to round two, gets tired, right? His opponent here, Alan St. Galise, also has a high finish rate as well as a pro and as an amateur. So regardless of who wins, we're probably going to see somebody get finished or starched. We're going to go with Malik because he's younger by eight years and has more pro fights. But that's the only reason why we're going with him. We have not seen film over here on Alan St. Calise. He can come out here and look amazing. So some blind spots for us here. The other two and a half rounds and the fight does not go the full distance are two betting spots or prop spots you could use as a parlay piece that I do like a lot because I don't believe this fight goes the full distance based upon their resumes. Okay, let's move on. Next fight in the card. We're going up to we're up to the main card now, right? So we're up to Alik Lorenz versus Monte Dion Agbana Morrison. Ah. I'm not going to do it right now, but I have a whole tantrum about people hyphenating their last name. And this is a good example of why if everyone keeps hyphenating their last names, we're going to end up with a name system where someone's going to have like 10 names. What if Agbana Morrison, his son or daughter, meets someone else who has a hyphenated last name and wants to hyphenate that last name with their last name? Boom. Now you have Agbana Morrison Jacobs Smith. Not separated by, by space, but all hyphenated. So Agbana Morrison Jackson Smith. One name. Think about that. Anyway, <laughs> back to this breakdown here. Alik Lorenz versus Monte Dion Agbana Morrison. A light heavyweight fight. 205 pounders. So these guys are pretty big, right? A league three and one overall from Iowa, 27 years young, six foot three in height. Monte is three and two in his last five, his only five from Nigeria, but now based out of Coconut Creek, Florida, 30 years old. So guys are both like late 20s, about to be 30 type of thing. And Monte is also six foot three. Okay. So our prediction here is that Monte. The Python, like the snake python. Agbana Morrison by round two knockout. That's how we see it. Not super confident. He's the kind of guy where he looks the part, but sometimes doesn't, he needs a little bit more like, rev it up, dude. Go for it. You know what I mean? For Lorenz, he does a lot of exposing of his chin. (laughs) He gets a little bit dangerous, gets sloppy. And so when he's on his offensive, he's also creating opportunities for his his opponent, right? I see this guy at some point. Now, maybe not this fight. Maybe I could be wrong. But Alec Alec Lorenz will at some point get clipped. He's a bit reckless, doesn't have his hands up. And on the regional scene, gets away with it. The regional scene's guys that are drinking beer and not, like, in shape. 
well, not everybody, but you get my point. So I think he needs to tighten up his defense, get his hands up a little bit quicker, and be careful of not getting himself clipped. For Morrison, he was in the PFL Challenger Series last year. So he's been in there with, like, you know, the edge of the PFL, Bellator, whatever, you know, top promotions. He's not known for his one-punch power, but we could again see him clipping Lorenz because of the way Lorenz sort of exposed himself. You know what I mean? Morrison is more refined, though, as a fighter. He's a little bit more skilled, a little sharper, better footwork, better cardio. That might matter here a lot, right? For those reasons, we're going to go with Morrison to pick up the win. But, man, I got to tell you this. If the fight gets, like, really close the last round, and you have a betting ticket with Morrison on it, he's like just like kind of like in cruise control. You're gonna want to pull your hair out because <laughs> Morrison is that kind of guy where when the fight's in the balance, he's like, I don't know, I'm gonna just come out here and just hang out. That that that's tough. That's that's tough to watch. Tough to watch, right? So betting spots here. The fight does not go the full distance. The fight ends by knockout, and then Morrison as a parlay piece. Okay, let's move on. Leslie Hernandez. We're back to the ladies over here. Give me a second. Leslie Hernandez versus Brittany Camozzi. All right. A strawweight bout, 115 pounders. Leslie's two and one. Brittany's one and two. Again, a lot uh, a lot of experience to be had. Brittany's 32 years old, so a little older for one and two. Leslie, no age listed on topology. They're both about 5'3-ish, 5'5-ish. Brittany's out of Factory X Muay Thai, pretty good gym. And Leslie out of MA Lab. So both ladies are out of pretty good gyms. I do want to tell you at first glance, I was on the side of Leslie Hernandez. I was like, oh, I think I remember Brittany Cozy, Camozzi, I mean, I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of in my head. I just kind of like, you know, a little bit of prejudice, right? And then I changed my mind. <laughs> so Brittany Camozzi by decision is the pick. Hernandez went three and zero as an amateur. Impressive for Hernandez before going pro in 2022. The combined record of the two professional fighters that she's defeated is two and five. So she's not defeated anyone who's actually pretty good, right? Just kind of like low-level fighters. She gets sloppy, which is on the offensive. Specifically, she leaves herself open to counters, counter takedowns, counter punches, back control, the whole nine. Gets very wide, right? For Kamozi, she won her first pro fight last year over Stacy Vega. Side note, Vega's like 0-2-1, oh, not very good, so I don't want to put it out there like, oh, she beat somebody good. But she beat her. <laughs> Kamozi dropped her first two profiles to Kelsey Arneson and Janaya McAllister. Now, the names may not ring a bell, but McAllister went a decision against Miranda Maverick, okay, UFC fighter, and Lupita Godinez. So we know McAllister is pretty good. Full distance with those two fighters, right? <clears throat> that was pre-UFC. Arneson has been a distance with Talita Alencar and Tabitha Ricci, also both in UFC. So both losses there for Kamozi were against UFC fighters. Just saying. And by decision. That matters to me. One of Kamozi's best traits is her speed. 
She's very fast, quick twitch, leg kicks, combinations. Hernandez will have her work cut out, trying to keep up with the quick movements, lower leg kicks of Kamozi. <clears throat> Hernandez's record looks slightly better on paper, but Kamozi has faced better competition. And thus, we are going with Kamozi. And I'll tell you again, the first preview of the fight, I thought, oh, Hernandez, she looks like she's a little bit better, and she's athletic, and the record and stuff. You watch the film here. Kamozi's a great play. I'll be betting her this week. I think she wins. Let's move on. Okay. Next fight in the card. We have two more left. This is the co-main event of the evening. We've got Antoine Ho. Not Antoine Ho, but like Antoine Ho <laughs> versus Miguel Sanson. A flyweight bout. 125 pounders. And Antoine Ho, the highlight, is 5-0. and zero. All right. More experience now from Vietnam, now based out of Arizona, 23 years young, 5'6", 166 and a half in reach. MA Lab. So MA Lab has a few fighters on his card. Important to note. Miguel Sanson, 4-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five. From Burlington, Wisconsin, 24 years old. He's five foot seven and seventy inch reach, so a slight reach and height advantage here for Miguel Sanson, and uh, experience wise about the same, right? Good main event, two good fighters. I like he, like he. Okay, here's our breakdown. Antoine the highlight ho by decision. Sanson is known for his solid chin and endurance. His five professional fights. He's been to four decisions. So his guy's going to full distance, good cardio. The only fight that ended due to a shoulder injury where actually the last five. So it wasn't even a finish, actually. For Sanson, leaves his chin wide open, kind of like the guy we just talked about before, right? Kind of like, um, what's his name? Um, Alik Lorenz, like leaves his chin wide open. I think in the regional scene, these guys are so much more talented than the fighters they're fighting. They don't think about being hit. They're like, oh, I can deal with it. It's okay. I can get the punch. In this case, as you move up, move up in, in the ladder, it gets tougher and tougher. Guys hit harder. Guys have better technique. And so in his case, yeah, he does get hit a little too much. That's one issue I have for him. So against Kroger, as an amateur, Sonson got folded by a basic straight. That film's available in our data sheet. So again, with Sanson... Yeah, it, it's it's chin issues with me. I'm I'm a little concerned about his chin. Now, to his credit, he came back to submit Kroger in that fight. Now, so <laughs> it's half glass full, half glass glass empty with this guy. You know, he's been knocked down, almost finished, came back and won the fight. You can't see that on paper, but if you watch the fight, you'll see that that film again is in our data sheet. One of the obvious takeaways from Sanson's record is that he's lacking finishing ability. Though, here's a guy who could take a punch, he get clipped get hurt, ultimately doesn't have the power to actually finish fights himself. For Antoine Ho, prefers to fight on the feet, so no grappling. He can grapple, defend, can wrestling defend, doesn't offensively try to actually go to the ground, right? Four of his five wins are into the distance. He has a difficult time defending wrestling heavy fighters, though. So if he fights a fighter who's like wrestle heavy, a Dagestan kind of guy, that becomes his problem. So again, can can defend takedowns from average fighters, average wrestlers, against guys who are like formidable in that area? 
bit of a problem. While the fight's standing, though, he's the guy I want to be on. So Antoine Ho, while it's standing, he's the guy. If I'm coaching this guy, I'm like, listen, keep this S-H-I-T standing, dude. Defend takedowns. Get off the cage. I mean, how many fights have you watched recently where the where a guy who's actually winning at range is against the cage, he reverses position, he now has his back to the middle of the cage, and they won't disengage. Didn't Raquel Pennington do that? Like, Raquel Pennington at range was better than her opponent, but when they would reverse on the cage, like, she wouldn't disengage. It's like, I don't understand it. And the coaches are screaming, like, disengage, you know, work at range. So for Ho... Yeah, I mean, work at range, dude. He's got more power in his punches. He lands combinations. He's also got the edge in maybe cardio. I mean, it's his fight to lose, but Miguel Sanson is no pushover. I would not bet on Antoine Ho with a ton of confidence here. They're both young. They're durable. They're fun to watch. Probably a great spot, right? Coming event makes sense here. Whoever wins probably lands right on the cusp of the UFC radar. Whoever wins, you might see them in like a few months on UFC's Ultimate Fighter or Contender Series. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. Up to the main event. Let me get over here. Elijah Johns versus Alfred Walker. All right. All right. So here we go. A featherweight title fight. Between Alfred Walker, Freight Train, and Elijah Johns. For Alfred, 12 and 6 overall, three, 4 and 1, I'm sorry, the last five. From Oklahoma, 36 years old. He's 5 for 8 with no reach on him out of fusion boxing. For Elijah Johns, out of 4th of May, very good gym. About 5'8, five, 5'9, five, same height, 71 inch reach. 27 years old, much younger. I mean, almost a decade younger than Alfred Walker. For Elijah Johns out of Texas, he's 3 to his last five, nine three overall. And so here we have the main event. I don't want to pretend as if the age is a big factor. To me, it's not. I think, I think even at this age here for Elijah Johns, he's still very formidable. He won't be like, I don't know, so old where he can't, you know, like it's, he's still there. Put it that way. My prediction, Javier, Javier, I'm sorry, El Marachi. Javier El Marachi Garcia by round two submission is my prediction. This is a rematch from last summer where Garcia submitted Johns. So right there, you're like, whoa, rematch? He submitted him before, yeah. And seven of Garcia's 11 wins are by submission. So more than half his wins are by submission, and he submitted Johns in his last fight. Could you imagine how this fight would probably end? Yeah, I mean... Now, don't get me wrong. Could Johns change it up and be more, you know, you know, uh, intelligent about defending the submission attempts? Yeah, of course. But ultimately, if they fought, like, let's say four more times, I would say two of the next four fights between them would probably end with submission wins for Garcia. Like two, not all of them. Johns is a smart fighter, a good fighter. So I guess mathematically, this would be the fight that does not end in submission. I guess you could argue that. Johns is two in between his last four, hasn't registered a finish in four years. So Johns is not a finisher. He was a minus 275 odds favorite when he fought Garcia the first time and Garcia submitted him. So, yeah, 
now, now this time around, the lines will probably be much closer. I don't have the lines available yet to us, but I mean, could how do you not like Garcia here to submit him after he did it? And then again, mathematically, you could argue that Elijah Johns would be due for a win. So tough spot, tough spot. The betting spots like the most for this fight. The fight does not go the full distance. Garcia by submission. And then Garcia is a potential parlay piece if the line comes out and it's reasonable, which it should be. It should be about a pick -em. Okay, just a summary of our picks here to win for LFA 176, starting the premium card first. We like Paul Margaritas, Jeremiah Humphrey, Aline David, Jared Braun, Chance Ikea, up to the main card, Robson Jr., Mansar Abdul Malik, Monte Agbana Morrison, Brittany Camozzi, Antoine Ho, and Javier Garcia. Those are your picks to win for LFA 176 Garcia versus Johns this Friday. So again, we have a little bit of an appetizer for UFC Vegas 86 coming up this Saturday, right? I'll see you guys very soon. And if you're bigger at LFA this weekend, good luck.